0: If you ask yourself better questions, you become a better leader. If you ask your people better questions, you become a better team. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and I am here with the talented Sean Glaze. He is an expert author and speaker who helps leaders create more positive and don't miss this profitable team cultures as a successful coach and educator for over 20 years. Sean gained valuable insights into how to develop winning teams and founded Great Results Team Building to share those lessons with smart team leaders. So if you think you're smart, stay right where you are. You're in the right place. Sean, I'm so glad that you are with us on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast.
0: I am thrilled to be here, Nicole. Really look forward to sharing some helpful nuggets with your audience.
1: That's fantastic. Well, tell us all about you. First of all, um, if you go to his website and you do need to go to his website, let me repeat it for you. Uh, If you will jump over to greatresultsteambuilding.net, you'll find Sean and don't miss this. He's got like all sorts of things you can download and books for sale and all sorts of goodies. So you don't want to miss that. All right. So tell us, how did you get started uh, in this crazy business of helping people build teams?
0: Well, I started off as a guy that today I would love to be able to serve because when I started as a high school basketball coach, Nicole, I was 100% full of enthusiasm and expectation and really believed that I was going to take over my very first program after having been an assistant coach for a number of years and haven't had some success because I had some pretty good athletes. When I took over the very first head coaching job I had, I really went in with those high expectations and thinking that I was going to be able to turn things around because I had the great X's and O's and I was going to out strategize everybody and I was young and full of all kinds of enthusiasm and at the end of our very first season we had lost 21 of 26 games and I was devastated and we're in the locker room and I had done everything that I'd known to do in terms of individual skills and personal individual kind of you know player development and all the X's and O's and it wasn't strategy that uh, that was going to make us the successful program that I'd anticipated. And it was actually in the locker room after our very last loss of that season that my assistant coach, standing beside me, said something that changed my life. He's like, "Coach, this is as the players are going out individually with their heads down after that last loss of the season. You know, if we're going to have a better program, we got to build better relationships." And that, honestly, Nicole, was the beginning of my journey to go from focusing 100 percent on strategy and the x's and o's that so many leaders invest themselves in and beginning to have some appreciation and understanding and desire to learn more about what you talk about which is culture and uh, and i think that culture as i've learned over the last 15 years is what allows your strategy to succeed. And without culture, any strategy is gonna be sabotaged by that internal issue that you're gonna experience if you don't address the culture. And so I've actually spent the last 13, 14, 15 years uh, first doing some team building stuff with athletic groups and corporate groups and nonprofit groups, and then doing some speaking with some of the books that I've written to share some of those lessons with leaders and help them be better than I was when I was struggling as that strategic leader only.
1: Mm, That's fantastic. All right. So don't miss this, everybody. He said it's not the X's and O's. It is the relationships. So we're going to talk about relationships. That's fantastic. But uh, I have a little habit, Sean. I like to collect uh, definitions of leadership. Would you give us your definition of leadership? We'll just add it to our collection.
0: I believe for decades now that leadership is influence and you can certainly lead negatively, just like you could lead positively. But ultimately, if we're at the higher end of leadership, our job is to serve and develop the people around us to have a positive impact.
1: That's fantastic, because I agree. You got to add the positive to that or we're in big trouble. That's fantastic. All right. Wonderful. Well, you have written many, many books, and I was taking a look at them, and I am super curious about the rapid teamwork. I would love to talk a little bit about the five essential steps to transform any group into a great team. Would you be game to do that with me?
0: I would be very happy to, and that's something that, again, as a coach... I wish somebody had shared with me earlier and, and, and probably more accurately, uh, I wish I was more open to the information that I was then later on willing to uh, to seek out and to apply. And I think that sometimes as leaders, we get caught up in what we know. And I think that confidence is thinking you can help and arrogance is thinking you don't need help. And as a young leader, when I was so full of energy and enthusiasm and expectations, I was also probably very ignorantly arrogant, and uh, and so my attempt when I wrote Rapid Teamwork was to share an entertaining parable, but more importantly in the midst of that story to be able to share what are those five things that any leader can use to bring individuals together and create a far more positive and profitable team culture that would allow their strategy to succeed. And that's basically the five things. And I use that kind of cheesy acronym of you know a great team. So great's the acronym that I use. Everything starts with goals and purpose. What is your why? Then comes relationships, which I had obviously neglected as a young leader. Uh, and I think a lot of leaders need to focus far more on that connection of relationships. And then after goals and relationships are established, then it's really about setting expectations. What are those team standards going to be? And what are your commitments going to be? Establishing accountability conversations and having that feedback conversation and keeping touch with your people, and then finally thanking them and making sure they feel appreciated for their contributions to the team's progress.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, great. Right. So he went through those pretty quickly, folks. So I'm going to make sure you got it. It's uh, Goals and Purpose relationships, expectations, making sure those are in place, uh, accountability conversations and feedback and thanking people for the hard work that they're doing. Yeah. So if you had all of this solidly in place, you would have a big change in a quick hurry, right? It'd be rapid change for sure.
0: And and you know from coaching, I know from working with leaders, whether it's coming out of a team building event or a speaking event, when they come up and ask about coaching, when I've worked with leaders, you know, at the highest level, that sounds really nice and really easy. But as you get deeper into the implementation of specific things that are going to help to establish those five parts of the puzzle, that things really become uh, not necessarily difficult, but a little bit more involved in terms of making the commitment to really change some behaviors and to change some of the awareness first in the leader and then in those that are actually making up the team.
1: No, that's exactly right. Well, what's popping in my mind, Sean, is this idea that you know, you've know you got to have one-on-ones with your people. So I I coach leaders, that's true. Um, but what my, I'm telling my leaders to do is to do what we're doing with the people that that are following you, right? So, you know, when you sit down and you have that goals conversation, um, you know, I'm encouraging people to to meet with their folks at a minimum quarterly, uh, if if not way more frequently. So, what are your thoughts on meeting to talk through goals and purpose? Uh, people are very worried. I don't know if you're noticing this, Sean, in your work, but they're, they're like, I don't want to micromanage people. And I'm like, well, I don't think people feel micromanaged if you check in on their goals and they're moving towards them and you're celebrating them. I mean, it's all a matter of perspective. What are your thoughts on getting people focused on their goals and their purpose?
0: Oh, I think, we, you know, how long do we have together? I think that, that... We,
1: I, we can go for hours. I'm good. Well, Whatever you want to do okay. here.
0: <laughs> and I joke sometimes you know when i' when I'm talking with groups that uh, that it was as a basketball coach that I was first told about how important one on ones are because that's how you develop individual skills and aggressiveness and defense is that one on one competition. and then, as a coach, our program got better not because of those one on ones on the court that our athletes had but because of the one-on-ones I had with those athletes in my office throughout the week and the mornings leading up to homeroom or first period and in the one-on-ones that your audience and that the leaders that I work with have with their people. And I think, you know, weekly would be ideal and wonderful. Definitely bi-weekly. I think that monthly is, is like you say, you know, quarterly, I think you end up losing connection. When people feel disconnected, then you get that, uh, that sense of, lack of engagement that i know gallup for the last many years has has been documenting with so many other surveys and i think that if we want to be a really effective leader our job is to make sure that we do help our people to clarify not just what are their kpis or their individual goals but how does that connect to something larger than themselves my job if i'm going to be a winning teammate is to be a small contributing part to something larger and more significant than myself And if we can help them to see the impact of what they're doing on a larger scale on a personal scale and understand that it's not just you being this small contributor, but that your efforts are ultimately having this impact and this result on people's lives and prosperity and happiness, that that ends up being so much more meaningful to those people on our teams. And I think that sometimes it's our job as a leader to connect those dots and to help them to see because engagement is nothing more than how much do you care about the results you're contributing meeting
1: too. Mm, that's fantastic. And, you know, I, I talk with a lot of leaders and they're like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> and I'm like, well, uh, you know, what are we trying to accomplish here as the big, big goal? And then, you know, make, making sure there's clarity between, you know, what "Quote unquote" position that person is in, and and they understand how their position leads to that thing that's bigger than themselves. I think I think that's the huge thing, and and also you know I had I have a boy, um, he's twenty seven now, but I remember I mean he was in sports his whole life coming up, and what I think a lot of times leaders don't realize is like the follower, the 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 player, the student it looks so up to this coach person, like there's like, they're in awe of them. And it's hard for people to understand that, like, it feels very, very special to sit down with the leader and get his undivided attention or her undivided attention for a little while. I mean, I I can just imagine when you would have these one-on-ones with like the seniors or the juniors that are on your varsity team, there's like, wow, the coach took time out of his schedule to sit with me.
0: You would think, and early on, uh, you know, I would like to tell you that everything was roses and unicorns and rainbows, but it honestly was not because I was learning to be good in the one-on-ones while I was trying to have them. And I think that's sometimes the issue for for leaders who are beginning to have those one-on-one conversations is like you mentioned, those questions come in as you get, you know, from far away, everything looks easy. But as you get closer to the actual experience of having that one-on-one, it gets a little bit messier and you need to have some of that preparation. And I'll talk to leaders about, you know, everything is always going to be, if you wanna be effective, it needs to be connection before whatever content you need to share. Uh, and that was where even as a, a older coach, Uh, I feel like I wasn't the person I needed to be because I was probably far more focused upon clarity of role and what we need to do and how you can help the team and what you need to improve on. And I didn't do the job of connecting to ensure that they felt seen and appreciated and valued as a person beyond just what their role was. And I think that especially today in remote circumstances with virtual teams and all that's going on with some of the disconnection, the importance of connecting and let, letting people feel seen and valued and appreciated and a part of something larger than themselves instead of just this disconnected piece uh, that, that's turning in you know something that's a part of a project is, is
1: incredibly important. Yeah, that's fantastic. So don't miss what he said, everybody. He said, the first thing we need to do is do connection before content. I really love that. Uh, So finding some rapport, uh, asking a, a personal question, and that seems appropriate. And, and then getting into, um, you know, clarity about their position and proving and where they can improve. All right. So I love that. Okay. So sitting down with them, finding out their goals and their purpose, and then building relationships. So, so how does a great leader get the team members to have great relationships? What are some strategies or some tactics for us to build the team and get them, get them in relationships?
0: Well, I think the first is connecting and knowing who it is that's on your team and what are their strengths and personalities and backgrounds and challenges and goals and desires. And, and that's a huge part of not just you as a leader, but the people on the team having an understanding of, you know, what are John's strengths or what are Susie's strengths and you know what are they bringing and what is that diverse, unique talent and contribution that makes us stronger because they're here. Because if we all have the same backgrounds and perspectives, then we're not necessarily going to be as strong a group. Uh, I think that absolutely the idea of connection is important, Uh, but this is something that's true, not just in terms of teams and team building, but in terms of helping your team to adapt to change, which is where I've really focused more recently with you. I know you looked at the books and Staying Coachable is the one that's just come out. But for us to be great leaders, I think that we need to help people to see not just their connection, But to give them that clarity and to get rid of the fog around what is it that we need and what is it that we can actually do to help to serve them so that we're accomplishing not just their goals, but also contributing to the team.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So you talked about strengths and personalities And the first place my mind went was to the various sundry assessments that are in my toolbox. I'm wondering if you have a uh, strengths or personality assessment that you're a fan of that you've used and uh, you think works really, really well.
0: Yeah. And I think that whether it's, you know, the, there are so many that are out there, I've used DISC in the past and, and even in, in team building situations for a half day or a full day working with a group. Sometimes I use something even shorter with Gary Smalley's animal personality styles, which are very, very Yeah, similar. I love those. But but to have some appreciation and awareness of not just who I am and what my tendencies are. So you have that individual personal awareness of, you know, what are my tendencies and what do I need and what do often you kind of act on, but also what do my teammates need because our job as more aware leaders and teammates is to make sure we're always wrapping our message in the right envelope based upon who the recipient is.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So don't miss that. He said Gary Smalley's animal personality styles. Did I get that right?
0: You did. Yeah. Very. Kind okay.
1: Because of- <laughs> I'm having a little flashback. There's like a lion. There's an otter. Right. There's right. Like, I here. think I'm close. Golden retriever and what? And beaver and beaver okay yeah so check that out and then of course um disc is absolutely fantastic we're both certified in disc and that can help so um i I totally agree that's very very helpful now one of the other things that i saw was so cool on your website is that you have this little deck of cards and um, is that something that you also use to connect your group together and help them build relationships talk a little bit about your card deck i love that
0: Uh, So, yeah, I appreciate you you mentioning, uh, but connection obviously is such a huge important part of not just my growth as a leader, of recognizing the need, but not just understanding it, but taking action to give people an opportunity to connect and build some of those bonds that allow us to care more about not just the goal that we're seeking to achieve together, but to care more about the people we're actually working toward that goal with. And I think that there's a huge difference between working beside somebody and working with somebody, uh, and so yeah, that idea of giving people opportunities to share information, and this is something that I share. You mentioned you know, that there is a, a team toolbox on my website that leaders can you know kind of you enter an email in and get access to you know, fifty or sixty different downloadable uh, tools, and one of those is a list of questions they can ask in those one-on-one meetings that they're having. They give them a, a set of questions they can ask and even something that they can keep in an employee file so they can go back and look at and stay familiar with some of those personality traits and, and the family and the background and the desires. And I think that that's something that's important for teammates as well. And can you give teammates an opportunity to build enough of a connection so that they can appreciate their similarities? Because I think that our similarities inoculate us against our differences. And if you only focus upon what's different, then you have that opportunity where sometimes we don't appreciate the strengths and and the other character traits that make people really valuable on the team. But if you can appreciate some of those things you have in common, that ends up building a bond. And I think ultimately our job as a leader with our people and then our job for them as well is to build relationships that are strong enough to be able to withstand the weight of truth when we need to have those difficult conversations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So tweetable moment, everybody. Uh you have to appreciate similarities so that you can inoculate against differences. I love that. That's fantastic. All right. So so that's how we can build uh, relationships. So um you you have expectations as the E in your great. Uh, And so I want to just, I don't know if you've ever heard this one before, Sean, and those of you who listen, you've heard it before. I'm going to tell it to you again. This is my favorite quote of all times. Uh, Uncommunicated expectations are a premeditated opportunity to be disappointed. And I talk to a lot of leaders who are disappointed and I'm like, well, uh, I have, I have some good news and I have some bad news. We can fix it. And, and, and the, and the bad news is, is like, it's totally up to you to make sure expectations are clear. So, I'm curious, how do you, Sean, when you're working with leaders and teams, how do you help them put expectations in place? What's, what, how do you do that?
0: Well, I think that's one of the, you know, because I think ultimately most leaders recognize the importance of clarifying a goal and clarifying roles and they see the value in that. I think that there is a smaller percentage of leaders that really do appreciate the incredible impact that relationships can have and building those connections can have in terms of the outcomes that those results are eventually going to bear fruit with. But expectations, I think, is where so many teams end up dropping the ball because they'll spend time on a mission statement or to spend time on here are our company values, but then they don't really define what that looks like for us. What are those behaviors that we should see in our hallways, in our conversation, interactions? They're going to be evidence of those values, and ultimately. Expectations are those team standards, are those commitments that we make? Because that's what creates culture. Culture, and I share this with every group that I've ever worked with culture is nothing more than the behaviors that you allow to be repeated in your organization. And whether that's a family, or a business, or a nonprofit, or an athletic group that's what builds culture is the behaviors that your people bring and are allowed to repeat and so by setting expectations we want to get as many people together so that they're invested in what are our standards going to be what are we going to commit to as a team in terms of being on time and how are we going to meet and what are we going to do in terms of communication and how are we going to handle our remote communications and to take the time to clarify that, because as you said, in, in a different way, but I've shared you know, as well, it is absolutely unkind for me as a leader to be unclear because people don't want to live in
1: fog. All right, y'all. Tweetable moment again. Uh, it is unkind to be unclear. All right. I want to deep dive into that just a second. I mean, uh, dare I even say this, but some leaders I work with are like, why don't people just do what I tell them to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, one of the, that's one of the number one lines out there, Sean.
0: Oh, well, I, and I have had this exact conversation with a leader, right. and I will always share the story of myself and my wife, because my wife expects me sometimes to just know what I'm supposed to be doing, to just know what mm-hmm. she's expecting me to do. And leaders sometimes have those same expectations of their people and i think that the number one thing you listen even if i don't agree with you as a teammate if you give me a very clear playing field and i understand the rules i'm going to be able to work around that playing board and be successful but if i don't know what the rules are if the rules are changing from day to day or week to week or if there's some lack of understanding then i'm going to a not feel safe and i'm not going to take the same risk and i'm not going to be as invested if i don't understand what those rules are and how we are supposed to interact and what is safe for us as a team. And and that idea of psychological safety is something, you know, that is so unbelievably important for teams. And if they're not asking questions, if they're not admitting that, hey, I need some help or, hey, I made a mistake or, hey, I disagree. Then I think that you as a leader need to look at how clear are you about those commitments and protecting people in the midst of those standards to make sure there's opportunities for people to share those thoughts.
1: That's right. That's right. So I love that. Okay. So it's unkind to be unclear. You got to create um, a feeling of safety, uh, psychological safety, so people can do well. And I think the unkind piece is too is like, you know, I, I think oftentimes, Sean, people don't, leaders don't understand. Listen, people are following you. And you have such a huge responsibility to grow them, to develop them, to take care of them, um, and and you got put in this position. It's quite an honor, you know. So um, to to set them up for failure or to have like that, there's almost like disdain in why don't they? Why don't they just figure it out? Why don't they just do it? You know, um, you know, like that, like that, some judgment there. Um, it's like you hired them; they're your folks let let's let's be kind and let's be clear i absolutely adore that that's fantastic all right so um the next thing that you talk about is accountability and feedback now my listeners have he- heard me talk about accountability and feedback till the cows come home but that cows have not come home so uh, <laughs> we we got to talk about it some more because this accountability thing is huge like we've got a couple you know handfuls of leaders that that just, I'll just do it myself, you know? And, and then we've got the leaders that we think everybody should be mind readers like you just talked about. Um, so they don't do it for that reason. Uh, they have disgust and disdain. Uh, but really holding people accountable is is really, I think the number one leadership skill of all time. <laughs> that's, where I'm, that's where I'm at as of today.
0: <laughs> and I, I've, I've shared in the past, I think that awareness is one of the, the main leadership traits. And I've added Mm, to that in recent years, it's not just awareness is the most important thing you can have as a leader, but there's also a need for empathy and optimism. And I think that Mm -hmm. if you have those three things, awareness and empathy and optimism, you have a chance to be an incredibly inspiring and effective leader. And there's a few reasons for that. I think first, obviously, awareness, not just self-awareness, but also awareness of what are the circumstances, where are people at, and seeing beyond sometimes where we maybe put on blinders as a leader and we're not aware of, we're not curious enough to ask questions to give ourselves the information that would give us more awareness and appreciation of people and some of their circumstances that help to inform their behaviors. Uh, so I think that curiosity leads to awareness. But even more so, as you mentioned, you know, accountability. Accountability is the next to last part of that recipe because I do think you need to identify a goal. you got to have a reason why to begin with. And you need to build the relationships with the people that are seeking that why. And you need to set those clear expectations because accountability without clarity of expectations is cruel. You know, If I'm going to punish you for something that you didn't understand you were expected to do, that's on me as a leader. That's not your responsibility if I didn't clarify those expectations. And I think that oftentimes accountability for leaders and even for teams ends up, you know, the default synonym for accountability is punishment. And I don't think accountability is punishment. Hopefully it's consequences because you can absolutely have positive accountability and positive consequences and celebrate people for some of those behaviors and results that their efforts are driving. But I think that ultimately any accountability conversation begins with empathy. And if we can build those connections among the people on our team then I'm far more willing and concerned about doing a good job because I don't want to let my teammate down because I don't want to have a negative impact upon their productivity. I don't want to hold up what they're doing because I'm not doing my job. And so I think that a lot of those accountability conversations come back to connecting to a goal and connecting with each other and making sure that there is that sense of empathy that's built throughout the team so that people don't want to let down the teammate beside them and ultimately don't want to let down the clients they're serving. Mm,
1: That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more about there are two types of feedback and that accountability is after setting the goals, setting the getting the relationships right, and setting the expectations. So don't, don't miss that, everybody. There's a flow to this, this uh, acronym. He's working great. Uh, so I, I'm going to give everybody my accountability formula. Those of you who listen, you need it again. Here you go. You're welcome. So here it is. You got to ask three questions in accountability, which is what are you going to do? And make sure you talk it through a little bit because I will tell you, I don't know about you, Sean, but I have said to people, I need you to do X. And they go, okay. Now, I really have no idea what they're about to go do. I mean, it's going to be something related to what I stated, but like maybe I have certain, again, expectations of what it'll look like, what it'll smell like, taste like, be like. Uh, so I got to I gotta ask, what you know, what are you going to do? And that's not micromanaging. That is being kind and uh, not cruel, as Sean would say. <laughs> so I, I asked, what are you going to do? We have a little conversation. I say, that sounds perfect. Thank you so much. I knew you were so intuitive, right? Like you can give some love in there, right? And the next thing you say is, when are you going to do it? Because uh, back in the day, uh, Sean, I don't know if you were this far back in the day as me, but we, we used to have these little things we would give out in trainings called a round to it. And it was just a little circle thing. And it said R-O-U-N-D-T-U-I-T, round to it. And so I don't I don't know. Maybe it's time to bring the round to it back. What do you think, Sean? I'll, we can bring it back.
0: I'll, I'll do that when I get around to it, right?
1: That's right. That's right. And so if people say, Oh, don't worry, Nicole, I'll take care of it. And oftentimes, as a leader, you're like, Okay, you know, like, I'll trust you, you know. But here's the thing: you might need it by Friday. And this person's walking away thinking. It could be two weeks from now or something. So you have to have clarity around time. And then the final thing is, is how will I know it's done? And, and so that's just like, you know, let the leader know so she can relax. So her brain can rest. Oh, we've got that done. That feels so good. Right. And then the reason why you also want to know that it's done is so that you can give them feedback. You can look at the thing. You can say it's fantastic or. Let's tweak it, you know, whatever the case may be. What, what do you think of my little formula? I picked that up along the way, and you know, I just I think it's very fantastic. Much it,
0: it does open the door to some of those conversations that sometimes leaders neglect to have and then you leave people walking out of your office or getting off the phone standing again in fog. And so if you can clarify who's going to do what by when and how do we know that it's been done, who is that going to be delivered to, then that ends up giving the clarity that they need and also giving you an opportunity to schedule a celebration where they can feel appreciated for having completed that and taken ownership of it.
1: Yeah yeah and you know if we'd want to use our basketball analogy because Sean is the basketball guy is is that you just think about well like every time the, you know the the guy takes a shot and it goes through the hoop. That's when we're, you know, we're still celebrating all those little shots along along the way so that we can get the the score at the end that helps us win the game. And so, you know, just like you would be on the sidelines jumping up and down uh, if somebody had a, a three-point shot. I, I barely know what I'm talking about, Sean. Um, so, you know, me me on
0: it. On the <laughs> fantastic job. And, and you know what? And, and this, I know, takes us to kind of the end of the recipe. But that last part is. Th- yeah. And I really wish that I had been better with that when I was a young coach, honestly, Nicole, because I think that I'm like a whole lot of young leaders. And my belief when I was a first year or second year coach was we're going to celebrate over there when we get to the banquet. And how difficult must that have been to play for me as a as, as an athlete when I was pushing and pushing and driving and driving and practicing and correcting and we weren't taking time to appreciate the progress we had made. And I think that you have people today You know, they get burned out and I don't think people get burned out because they are tired of the job. I think they get burned out because they don't have an opportunity to take a moment to appreciate the progress they've made and to feel appreciated and valued and seen for those efforts that created the progress. And if we can help people to see the progress they're making and to feel appreciated for what they're doing and I think that continues to fill their bucket and give them an opportunity to continue to feel that much more engaged than they would have been otherwise.
1: Mm, that's fantastic. Well, you know, you, you this last letter in great is thanking them. So I I want to know what you think the the strategies are for thanking people. I mean, we all know how to say thank you. First of all, that's simple. That's easy. You should use it. Your grandmother, your mother, your mama, whoever, would be very <laughs> pleased with you. Thank you. Um, but, but what what are some ways that leaders can be creative, or or you've encouraged people? And then I got a story to tell, so I want to hear your side first. Well,
0: looking forward to your story now that you mentioned it. But one of the things that I share yeah. in a lot of my talks is the importance of specific things and impact. And you know, as a, as a coach, I would oftentimes catch myself saying, "Good job." somebody come off the court I'd say good job and then I realized how vague that was and I think the vague yes. invites vague effort and if I'm not doing a good job of specifying what was done well and how it impacted us as a team and why it was such a positive thing I think that's our job is when we're celebrating can we be specific with the celebrations and let people see not just that they were seen but that there was a specific impact that their behavior, that their choice had that moved us forward. And I think that you know, in every meeting that you have with your group, whether it's in-person or remote, What are you doing to connect just for five or 10 minutes? What are you doing to celebrate somebody just for four or five minutes to point out those things that you want to see repeated? I think that's one of the most important things a leader can do is to not just establish the goal, but to make sure that you're thanking people along the way and don't wait until the banquet.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I'll tell you my story, and I love what you've shared. um, You you know, just getting get up with people. That's how we talk in Concord, North Carolina. Um, So uh, I was recently working with uh, two senior leaders, and I was talking about how they really needed to touch the front line, and they needed to let people know. But it needs to be something that is again, don't miss this, everybody. Exactly what Sean is talking about in his book about setting goals when somebody. You know, makes a next right step and has a small win towards the goal that we're after, pointing it out will build this thing called momentum. Everybody write this down. Uh John Maxwell Momentum YouTube. Go watch it. Go watch the video about momentum with John Maxwell. I'm sure Sean is a John fan just like me. And uh so anyway, so so I said, you know, uh, you need to get some little notes. And when you sit down and look at the reports on Monday or Friday or whatever day is your report day, I want you to find somebody who's moving the needle and I want you to point it out and I want you to point it back to business acumen. And I want you to be very specific about how it's helping the organization. I want you to teach people this is a business instead of wishing that people understood it was a business. <laughs> so they're like, okay, to call that, we'll do it. I'm like, okay, well, do you have any notes? And, you know, like, you know, do you have any little notes with the logo on the company logo? And they're like, "Ah, you know, I don't think so. And I'm like, okay, uh, we're going to get some, I'll I'll take care of it. Right. So uh, I marched down to the marketing director's office. He's like, yeah, but we've got those. I'm like, can I have those please? So we get on it. We got, we got on a ladder in the supply room in the back corner and there's boxes of these notes. Thank you notes i started distributing them all over the organization i'm like everybody's gonna write notes everybody ready okay so i think that you know a handwritten note and taking the time to do that you know i don't know about you but when i was coming up if anybody gave me anything that was physical like and i would take it, and it You save hold on it.
0: to it you want to feel seen <laughs> and and for that that sense of feeling valued and feeling seen and feeling appreciated uh, it, it is so powerful for people who sometimes work in the shadows and don't feel like what they're doing is being noticed and, and to be able to take that moment and to give them something tangible and specific so they really feel like somebody's had an eye on them and somebody's appreciated those efforts makes such a huge difference. And I love the idea of you sharing with a leader to make sure that you give that specific handwritten note, not a text, not just saying something in the hallway, but take a little bit of extra time, make that little bit of special effort because it really does have an
1: impact. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Yep. So you and I are on the same page. All right. So let's see. Uh, We've gotten through all the five parts of your great acronym in rapid teamwork, but I just want to make sure everybody understands that Sean also has a book called Staying Coachable. He also has a book called The Ten Commandments of Winning Teams and The Unexpected Leader. And then in addition to that, he's got a toolbox with all sorts of goodies uh, that you can uh, take a look at. So, Sean, we're at the top of the hour and I just wanted to check in with you and 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 say, you know, what are the things that you are seeing that leaders are really struggling with? And and what advice would you have for them? It's, it's kind of challenging times. We've got one foot in COVID. I hope we have one foot, one giant step out of COVID. Uh, you know, we're going in to the um, the winter months, uh, so so what are you seeing that leaders are struggling with, and and what 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 your suggestions moving forward? That is
0: such an important question for for us to recognize that there's always going to be a challenge, and it may shift, and there may be different challenges. And I love being able to share you know, that idea of how do you build culture through the rapid teamwork framework. But the reason I came out and wrote "Staying Coachable" just over the last six months. Was because there's been such unbelievable change and people struggle with change, not because change is bad, because if I were to give you a raise, you'd love change. Right. We don't necessarily dislike change, but we dislike being pushed because oftentimes that leads to resistance and pushback for things that we're not necessarily comfortable doing. And so I was trying to to think back to when I was a coach and then recently, obviously, more uh, working with leaders. What is it that caused that pushback and that resistance? And I think that as a coach for way too many years, I would give commands: "You need to, you need to, you should, etc." And whether it was a player changing his shot or a player doing something differently in terms of you know how they're handling the ball or what they're doing with passing one handed instead of using There's all kinds of things you can work on in terms of individual improvement. And that's what you're doing in your one on ones. You're having conversations to help somebody to improve. But what so many leaders have shared with me is that sometimes those conversations end up being not just, uncomfortable, but it almost where somebody feels annoyed by getting advice instead of appreciative and applying that because they feel it's a push and a command instead of asking questions. And I think that if there was one tool that I could give leaders, it's that encouragement for them to stay coachable. And there's four questions in the book that lead you to be not just coachable yourself, but help you to coach your team with those four questions. But the idea is, can you move as a leader away from commands and begin to use better questions to engage your people and allow them to be the ones that recognize the gap between where they are and where they want to be and to be that much more humble and modest and desirous and hungry for the information that's going to make them more productive and make your team more successful because they decide to stay coachable based upon their desires.
1: Mm, that's fantastic. Well, could you just give us a little peek? Give us one of the questions that's in the book that we should be asking. Yeah,
0: well, well, there are four, and again, it, it it's more of a, a like you will have with rapid teamwork. It is a parable, and you've got a father and a son. The son dealing with frustration as an athlete, the father dealing with frustration as a salesperson with a new online kind of system platform that he's not comfortable with, and and I think that you see that in so many different industries with people being pushed into this new application or this new type of thing that we've adopted that we're gonna need to learn and we're gonna actually, and there's always a little bit of friction. And so how do you help your people to, instead of being complacent, How do you help your people to really be inspired to commit to that relentless improvement to continue to climb instead of you getting to some level of success and then camping? Because the reason that you are where you are, the reason that the leaders that we talk to are where they are is because ultimately they had been coachable to a point. That's why they've achieved their level of success. And so to stay coachable, I think that the, the one question is, what is it specifically that you want? And I think to take the time to do that, that establishes what is that mountain that we need to climb? And then the second question uh, in the series, and there's a little bit more that's supported obviously, but the second question has everything to do with honesty. Where are you now? And when you have those one-on-one conversations with your people, that seems like a really simple question. But when you start to talk about numbers and you start to talk about where are you now in terms of your productivity, in terms of your impact, in terms of your measurables, what are those things that, no, you know, there, there's not a space for the, the excuses or the explanations or see what it happened was. Your know, numbers don't give it to you. So how can you use those numbers to help to define where we are, where you might be, where I might be? And then if we've identified there's the mountain we're trying to climb and have identified, well, here's where we are presently. As soon as you recognize there's a gap, that's what opens the door to the humility that's necessary for mentorship to occur.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. All right. So the first question is, what do you want? And hey, don't miss this, everybody. Go over to YouTube and watch Nicole Greer's TED Talk. What do you really want? That's her TED Talk. All right. And then the second question is, where are you? And then finally, you get to the point where you figure out what the gap is. And then we get real about how we're going to fill the gap, get where we want to go. I love it. All right. So everybody take a peek over at Sean's website. Well, I've got one last question for you. Let's uh, imagine, I know there's one out there, uh, a listener that would love, you know, like one more nugget of genius from Sean Blaze. What nugget would you give them? And look, he has a puppy in the background, everybody. I see his little puppy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Franklin's woken up from his nap, so he's uh, he's ready for his walk again.
1: All right. That's fantastic. He said, well, we were asking, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here. I'm ready to go for my walk. (laughs) All right. So what what little nugget would you give to a special listener who's listening in right now? And they're like, give me one more. Give me one more, Sean. What do you you give them?
0: Yeah. Well, I I just think that the importance of one-on-one conversations and building connections with your people is the key to any impact you're going to have as a leader. And a lot of that impact in those one-on-ones is going to be based upon the quality of the questions that you ask. And if you ask yourself better questions, you become a better leader. If you ask your people better questions, you become a better team. And I think those are things that we can all benefit from as being a little bit more introspective about how can I use questions to move myself forward and be honest about answering those. But even more importantly, to serve and develop the people around me. How can I ask them questions that are going to impact them
1: as well? Absolutely. And that got a, a ring of the bell. I love it. Okay. That's fantastic. Uh, so, hey, listen, everybody, Sean, don't miss this. The questions he's really trying to emphasize, he has that deck that's on his website. So you could use that deck of cards, um, you know, buy three, four decks, put it, leave it on the conference table everybody uses it. Okay. So then the other thing is that I want to tell you is that he said he had a list in his downloadable toolbox that you can get off his website. So free freebies there, go get that. And then I want to mention somebody that's been on the podcast before, a really amazing guy. I don't know if you know him, Sean, but you you should know him. His name is Bob T.D., T-I-E-D-E. Absolutely. And he is, fantastic. do you know Bob? Good questions. Okay, all right. He is all about the questions. And um, so if you didn't haven't listened to that episode, go back, find Bob, listen to that episode, all about questions. Go check him out. He's got tons of freebies too on his website. So do all that. Okay, so here's what we want to do and make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you. So uh please go visit Sean at greatresults teambuilding.net. He's also on LinkedIn at www.linkedin.com slash backslash in backslash Sean Glaze. And I will spell Sean, there are two spellings Uh, y'all, S-E-A-N-G-L-A-Z-E. All right. So um, that is where he's at. Um, I am so grateful that you have spent uh, a good portion of your uh, day with me here, Sean, downloading all these goodies for our listeners. I'm very grateful.
0: No, really enjoyed the conversation with you, Nicole. Appreciate you putting all the links and stuff for your audience in the, uh, in the show notes. If you can, if I can we be- will do it, this is a resource I would be thrilled to. And again, thank you so much for allowing me to share really enjoyed the time with you today.
1: Okay. Fantastic. All right. It's time for us to go walk the dogs. We got to go. <laughs> bye bye.